Welcome to ABC at Noon. This is Paul Schreiner with Larry Boss. Larry, how are you doing? I'm good today, Paul. Thank you. This is an ongoing effort on WVLP to present the candidates who are running in the municipal election this year. That election is on November 5th, if I'm correct. And it's a major change in who's going to be the elected officials of Valparaiso. The mayor, after 16 years in office, the clerk treasurer, after an amazing 37 years in office, and it could be a virtual wholesale turnover of the city council, because I believe only three incumbents are up for re-election. Today, we are very fortunate to have Republican Peter Anderson running in District 5 in Valparaiso, sitting with us. And uh, Peter, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, good morning, guys. Uh, thanks so much for having me and giving me the opportunity. We're glad you're here. Larry, why don't you kick it off? Let's start giving you an opportunity to explain to the public out there who you are, why you're running, and what issues are most passionate to you. Okay. Uh, yeah. So my name is Peter Anderson. Uh, I'm running for City Council District 5. I would, if elected, I would replace uh, George Douglas in his district. Um I live in the Hawthorne neighborhood. Which, let, uh, let me clarify that. George is running for re-election. George, George is running at large. At, at large. large. Okay. okay. So you're not competing against no, George? No. no, no. no. Uh, grew up in Chesterton. Uh, graduated from Chesterton High School. Went to Ball State University. Uh, got a degree in marketing in 1997. Uh, came, when I got home from college is when I moved to the Valpo area, and I've been here ever since. Uh, I've just grown to absolutely love this community. Uh, I own Josasimo's Pizzeria in Crown Point. Uh, I've owned that for 12 years, my wife and I. Um, we've been married for 17 years. My wife, Stephanie, is the uh, Chief Human Resources Officer at Opportunity Enterprises. Uh, we've got two children, Grant and Beckett, uh, 13 and 7 years old. Uh, I am a bit of a political rookie. Uh, how I came into this is I have had uh, a, a long-running friendship uh, with Mayor Costas, uh, mostly based on things outside of politics. We have some common interests uh, outside of politics, uh, do triathlons, and uh, we're both in the restaurant business, so we, you know, we have some common ground there. Uh, got a call from Mayor Costas in, I believe, February and said, hey, what, what would you... How would you feel about you know possibly throwing your hat in the ring for city council? And of course, I was flattered, you know. And uh, my wife and I thought about it, and we prayed on it. Uh, and here we are. Uh, some things that I'm passionate about, uh, as far as my campaign goes, uh, I really have a place in my heart for uh, individuals and families who have been uh, affected by the substance abuse crisis. Uh, we have in this area. Uh, I believe, you know, I don't know what the exact hard facts are, but I, I believe that this problem touches probably 100% of families in this community in some way or another, uh, and it's devastating. Uh, one of the other things that, that it kind of plays into the same uh, issue is uh, youth mentoring programs. Uh, when I went to a substance abuse roundtable uh, that Mitch Peters hosted, one of the facts that they gave was that uh, 
kids that have early childhood trauma are 5,000% more likely to develop a substance use disorder. And then they went on to talk about, uh, you know, it, it, was, it was mostly a, a round table that centered around treatment. And, and when they talked about treatment, uh, one of the most successful ways uh, that's going on in treatment right now is they used uh, a strength-based treatment where these, you know, people come into treatment broken and, you know, their life's just a mess. And they uh, identify personal strengths that they have and they use a strength-based treatment in, in bringing those attributes out of them and helping in the treatment. So when I put the two facts about the early childhood trauma and the, the way that they're having successful treatment, I said, what about strength-based prevention? And, and, and what can we do, what could I do as a city council member to somehow marry the city to uh, these prevention efforts uh, that I think, you know, they say an ounce of prevention is uh, worth a, a, a pound of solution. Is that the right? Cure. Pound of cure. Pound of cure. And uh, I wholeheartedly believe that. We just have to approach it in the, the right way, and I, I think I'm passionate about that. So you mentioned... Um, you're passionate about the dilemma that the city is currently in and this youth mentoring, particularly as it applies to this, this dilemma that we're in with addiction. Um, Larry and I have been part of a, a collaborative effort to create a set of issues that we think are relevant to our city. Yes. And I think one of them kind of intersects with yours. And that is that the Agenda for a Better Community, or, or ABC, which is the name of the show. The number one issue is that we want Valparaiso to be a welcoming community. Mm -hmm. And in a sense, a welcoming, a welcoming community would reduce child early childhood trauma. There can certainly be lots of other issues. And a welcoming community essentially is advocating for people who are perceived as outsiders, uh, whether they be an ethnic minority or a racial minority or, or a gender minority. So we want the city council, or one of the issues that we think the city council needs to grapple with, and I think this does intersect with your passions, to make a positive impact on the nature of Valpo as a welcoming community. So the question is this, do you see Valpo as a welcoming community, or are there some holes in that welcome? My perception is that Valpo is a welcoming community. Now, I've, I've heard some statistics that you've given on another program that you did uh, where there's some people that do not feel that way. Uh, I, I've had, Valpo has been good to me and my family, but I understand that there's probably some people that don't feel that way. Um, I'm not positive that it can necessarily be legislated, but are there things that we can do uh, on the city council in conjunction with uh, faith-based groups or community organizations, uh, things of that type, uh, that could make Valpo more uh, welcoming for some people, I believe, absolutely. Yeah, I'm just gonna follow up. I have always found Valpo to be a welcoming community. And we're not, this isn't radio, 
This isn't television. Maybe if it was, I wouldn't be quite as welcome. But you're a good-looking, red-haired guy who's a Thank you. triathlete. Is that the right I, way to say I, it? I was about 60 pounds ago. Okay. Well, working <laughs> at a pizza joint, I can <laughs> see what We've all been something 60 pounds ago. Oh, yeah. So, so you don't face the same, you don't present the same image. Your image is good old Valpo all the way. Right. And I suspect that's not the case for people with brown skin or people with real dark skin, or people who speak with, a, with an accent. Um, so I'm just, I'm on the same page with you, but I don't walk in those shoes, so it's a challenge. Larry, I'm going to let you pick it up at this point. Okay, um, I'm going to change the subject a little That's bit. That's fine. Though. Okay, okay. And I'm happy to see another Mid-American Conference person making good in some <laughs> Kent State guy, okay, basically. So I'm going to go back to the, the drug thing, mm -hmm. okay, a little bit. Um, I mean, you talk about the strength-based treatment. I mean, and you just sort of said that when it comes to welcoming community, city council can't do something like that. Uh, but what what could a city council actually do on these? Was there are there specific programs that we could follow up with uh, that you? Because I noticed that Matt Murphy on the on his webpage, too, one of the top things is the, the opioid crisis too, mm -hmm. as well. Is there anything specific as far as the opioid crisis? Yeah. <clears throat> I think that... I mean, you did talk a little bit about some things, but yeah. I mean, I think a lot of it has to involve um, organizations within the community uh, and how can the city partner with them. Uh, you know, there's faith-based organizations. Uh, there's a program at my church uh, that's run by a good friend of mine, Todd Lazinski. It's called Heroes Camp. And what they do is they bring... Uh, basically kids that are in a home that doesn't have a father present in the home. And they bring them in uh, for programming each week. Uh, it, it's, it's really uplifting to the kids. It's from a, uh, they got the idea from the Heroes Camp in South Bend. And I think that when we have multiple organizations across the board doing things that lift kids up like that, and it brings their strengths out of them, uh, that it, it just is going to lift their ability to have success in the world and not get bogged down so much by uh, the circumstances uh, that they're in. And if the city, in fact, can somehow be supportive of those Correct. entities, and we really haven't identified how that can happen, certainly that would enhance. And, I, and I'm, I'm interested in pursuing that well larry i'm going to move on to a different topic okay go unless ahead you had a follow-up no I, I i'm fine early childhood trauma we had uh an incident i really wasn't an incident but a development very recently in valparaiso in which five families and i believe there were nine children involved were uh, had to be removed from their their living situation they lived at 502 union street and the county discovered that that residence, that apartment building, was so infected by, uh, by insects that it was unsuitable for habitat. Yes. And that raises the whole issue of housing, uh, affordable housing mm -hmm. in Valparaiso. And I'm connecting that. I can't believe that that wasn't uh, uh, a, an experience of early childhood trauma to, to a greater or a lesser extent. Certainly not... Uh, child abuse in the in the classic sense, 
But those kids were not living in a safe, secure environment. And we find it is challenging for people of uh, minimum income to live in, in Valparaiso. Historically, the city has largely stated that it's, it's, it's not the city's responsibility, it's a marketplace responsibility to produce and to provide housing for all income levels. Could you speak to that issue? I know that the city is currently doing a housing study. Now, without the results of that study, I can, I can still surmise that, okay, we've, we've got a bit of a problem here. And, you know, my heart breaks for those kids that are in that situation. And um, I can only imagine the, I mean, there was an initial hardship of living in that situation. Right. But how much were their lives affected by having to, to get out and move and uh, all, all the trouble that comes along with, you know, trying to get on with their normal lives. Um, I think that Valpo, one of the things that has made Valpo successful is this team of people. You know, one thing I've discovered is there's passionate, smart, dedicated people that have the best interest of this community at heart on, on both sides, you know, and, and I feel that also in the current city council race if we can put the minds together of all those people that you know have made valpo a great and and mercas's last 16 years uh, i believe that that problem can be tackled and there's actually one of the recommendations that you have in the abc is about uh establishing uh quality housing for all advisory advisory committee I think is a great idea to have uh, community leaders, uh, maybe developers, uh, people from nonprofits, to get those uh, people that have an interest in all sides of the need uh, that are apparent in that problem, to get together and put their minds together. I, 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 that's one of the things in your agenda for a better community that I think is a, would be a great thing to implement. Well, that was my next question, and you quite adequately answered it, and I appreciate that. Larry? Yeah, I think one of, a lot of people have said if the city would apply the kind of leadership and energy they I did to, to doing the downtown, they could solve most other problems that they wanted to. I think that's what you're suggesting. And, well, and, and I'm excited <clears throat> about that, and I think that the, the people and the leadership in this community are absolutely capable of doing that. Another issue, a lot of people have been talking about TIFs, okay, mm -hmm. Uh, tax abatements and other incentives for economic development. How are we going to evaluate whether or not a tax abatement is necessary for particular businesses? Is there a formula that we can use, or is there something else? Uh, I can say that I'm I'm not privy to the exact uh, the exact way that that is determined, but I can say that. Uh, since I've been a candidate for city council, I, I, go, I go to the city council meetings. And of course, I've been there when several tax abatements have uh, come for a vote. And it seems to me that uh, the city does not just willy-nilly uh, go into these things. And again, I don't know what the exact uh, steps are taken to get to that decision. This is a complicated issue. It is, it is a complicated issue, and it's one that I'm still learning about. I mean, I think I've got my my mind 
around the, the, the gist of it, of, of how it works. Um, I, I do feel that it has been beneficial uh, for Valparaiso. Uh, but again, I'm not exactly sure how that process works. I, I think that accountability is important. Okay. Uh, what about regular, more transparent, regular public reporting of, of what's going on? It seems that oftentimes these things are decided and they're in advance to some extent and the city council votes on I mean, we don't really know exactly. Is there any I, idea? I think, that's, I think that idea is fair uh, and, and reasonable that that it should be uh, that it should be held accountable. The city website, which I've spent some time on recently, is very deep. If you keep pushing buttons, you can get to all deeper. kinds of data. And when you get deep into those weeds, you end up knowing you're deep in the weeds and you don't really understand anything. Mm -hmm. This is a comment, not a question. Mm -hmm. I think there's a willingness, somewhat of a willingness to be transparent. But I'm not sure the general public can benefit much without a lot of effort. And frankly, that effort may be missing on the part of the public. I'm going to shift gears, though. Um, your opponent um, in the in the fifth district, mm -hmm. Gilles. Uh, Gilles. Uh, when we interviewed him, he, we asked him what his primary issue was, and it was sustainability in terms of the in terms of the environment. Mm -hmm. And obviously, that's a national and a global issue. But he focused very much on Valparaiso and how we could impact our participation in that sustainability. To what extent is the environmental sustainability of a community, community like this uh, a part of your thinking, and do you have any thoughts on it? Uh, you know, it's not a, a main push of mine, but I, I've actually spoken to Gilles. Uh, we're, we're very friendly. I think he's an awesome person. He is. Yeah, and... Uh, I know that that is what he is running on, and you know there. I I believe there's some common sense things uh, as a community that we can do that will benefit us to that end. Sustainability. Can you give me a specific? And maybe I'm pressing you here because you've admitted that you're new to this. Right. Uh, no, it's it's fine. Um, I don't know if uh, you know. Do we give some kind of incentive to people that place? Uh, solar panels uh, on their on their houses. Um, <laughs> honestly, that's the only thing that comes to mind. You know, but there's uh, that that type of process and thinking. I think is something that uh, is not entirely difficult to accomplish. Kate, one of the criticisms of the of the city council over the years has been that it has responded mainly to initiatives from the executive or from developers. And some of the candidates have embraced the idea of the city council being more um, entrepreneurial, shall we say. This could be something, if no one else suggested it, that you could. Would you favor a more activistic city council in that regard? Can you explain it a little bit more? I think when you look at the... the uh, 
uh, mandate of the city council, it's, a, it's essentially to manage expenditures. Correct. To approve or not approve. All, I mean, uh, clearly, you got to put a sewer line in, you got to spend the mm -hmm. money. Uh, a, a developer comes and says he wants uh, $1.5 million to remediate a piece of property. Mm -hmm. You have to decide whether you're going to go through that, that step. Those are all initiatives that the city council responds to. You just mentioned the idea of the city... Uh, in one way or another, providing funds to motivate people to use uh, uh, solar panels. Mm -hmm. That was an idea that came out of you. <laughs> that would involve a, a little shift in, in the, in the uh, philosophy of the city council. Mm -hmm. And it would involve becoming a somewhat more uh, independent and activistic city council. And I don't know mm -hmm. that that's a Republican or a Democratic issue. I'm just curious how you might respond to that general idea. I don't see how that hurts us as a city to, to incentivize that. Um, I guess it's uh, not exactly in my wheelhouse of how I uh, view uh, the city's dealings, but I'm, I don't think it hurts us. But it, it might very well be in your wheelhouse when it comes to dealing with traumatized kids. or the. And, yeah. and if, if no one else is push, pushing that agenda, would you feel comfortable sitting up at that dais to push that agenda even though no one else brought it up? That's hard to say. Okay. Uh, honestly. <laughs> okay. You I'm may, not opposed to it. If you get elected, you may know how you feel about that a year from now. <laughs> Right. Larry. We'll come back in a year now and talk to you about that, too. Okay. Well, there's a lot of energy that's been invested in creating the Valpo Next document, mm -hmm. okay, which was followed then by the Altogether Valpo effort. Okay, Both of these programs produced a long list of things that citizens in Valparaiso wanted. Where do you see these proposals fitting in in the future? And let me just preface, but I think, think that some of these have just sort of been lost in the shuffle. Where do you see these things fitting in in the future? Um, are, are you talking in relation to the ABC document? No, I'm talking about, the, you know, the Valpo Next, and in terms of, you know, all the proposals that came out of, of Valpo Next. I mean, where do you see these in terms of the future of the city? I mean, I'm not entirely familiar with everything. Okay. In, in I don't think anybody Next. is. Yeah. I don't, yeah. Um, I believe it's a similar sort of push as the ABC, correct? There's some parallels. There are some very much parallels yeah. there, yeah. 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 This was an effort by Mayor Costas to create a right. well-connected city. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think it, I, I can say that it was an admirable effort. And I it, think it was a generalized thing, and the ABC makes it more actionable. It does. Would that be correct? I think that's fair to say. Yeah, you know, I, I want to thank you guys because when – you invited me in here. Really, it what it did is it made me study your document. You know, there'll be a it, quiz on it, Peter, when we get done too. <laughs> because I wanted to know what it was about, and and you know, there's there's some good stuff in there, you know, and 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 it, it would be worthwhile for the city to to look at. Well, I appreciate that answer. Um, one of the issues that has come up over and over again is the uh, management of the Valparaiso public schools. And the specific issue has been a shift from an appointed to a, uh, an elected school board. Do you have a position on that? 
Um, I know that the school board is appointed, and I believe that it is very important to appoint the most qualified people. Um, I guess that's all that I know is that it that it is appointed. Um, don't necessarily have a position uh, that I'm knowledgeable about. Okay. Some arguments have been made that your priority in, uh, to have qualified people could be watered down by an elected school board. On the other hand, though, there are those that argue by having an appointed school board, you get the same old people all the time. Mm-hmm. So that's something mm-hmm. we're well, thinking about. Sometimes uh, I get the impression, certainly not from you guys, but some people think that, that I've seen on social media that there's like a sinister uh, plot behind all of this. And my experience is that I don't believe there is. As far as I'm concerned, I would be interested in appointing, like I said, a top, top-notch top people that have the best interest of the schools in mind. Uh, I'm not, there's nothing that I gain from it other than what my kids gain from being in the schools. I don't have any other agenda than to have the best people. You have uh, two children. What were their ages? 13 and 7. So they're in the public schools now. They are. Okay. Larry? Yes, this is a question that Paul and I have been looking at, and we don't know exactly what this all means, but we found some figures. Uh, You can go to the local government finance page, and it indicates that Valparaiso uh, has a debt of $86 million. Okay. Okay, and we've been told by other candidates that that's nothing because you haven't added the school debt to that. Mm -hmm. And so it's really, really high. And when we looked at this compared to other cities uh, of the similar size, we're, we're out of line with almost all those cities in terms of having debt higher than that. Is that, is that a problem? Or, and I, and I'm really, I'm, cause I don't know. I, 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 I actually met with Sharon Swihart uh, okay, to, good. because I wanted to be informed about the finances yeah. of the city. And I'm trying to remember what it was. There, that is the, the, the full debt amount that you mentioned, but I'm not sure that that entire amount uh, some of it is funded through the specific program that it comes from. It's all um, not just raw debt, but it has funding from, I'm not even sure how to say it. <laughs> um, this is another one it, of those it's, topics. It's, borrowed, it's, bar, it's money that's been borrowed, but the money is paid for from the specific uh, project that was created. So like the water and sewer is included in that, the debt for that. So that right. would- Right, so, but those would, fees go up okay. to, the, to the citizen and that's what pays for the debt. But what was interesting to me was that when we look at cities the same size, we're really higher. I think we're the second highest in second the state highest, for right. cities. And Marion is the, is the only other one, which is a whole different world, basically, so. So there's a, you know, that, according to your conversation with this clerk treasurer, that's not a, there's not really an issue there then. I, I, 
I left under the impression that the city is in very good financial okay. condition. Okay. We are down to our last minute and a half. Um, and we have been talking to Peter Anderson, who's running for city council from District District 4, District 5 in Valparaiso this November 5th. And Peter, we're going to give you the last minute or so to say whatever you want to. <laughs> well, guys, thank you again so much for having me on. Uh, I think that this coming up election is very important for the things that you said, Paul. Uh, we've got uh, the outgoing mayor, the outgoing clerk treasurer, and at least four city council seats that will be open. And, you know, it's important as a community that we build on the progress that we have made in Valparaiso under Mayor Costas. And I just want to encourage everyone to get out and vote. Uh, it's important that we hear your voice and that uh, the right people get in to continue to lead the city. Uh, thank no, you so just much. Thank you for, uh, for listening and thank you for being with us, Peter. Welcome back to ABC at Noon. This is Paul Schreiner with Larry Voss. And our next candidate is Gilles. And because I never took French, and Larry failed it when he took French. No, I didn't. But you don't remember much. I don't remember much. Gilles, would you pronounce your last name for us? So I would say it's Charrier nowadays. I had to Americanize it a little bit. Uh, my kids probably say their own name a little bit different from the way I said because they grew up, they were born and grew up in this country. <laughs> so, Char G Gilles Charrière. Charrière, Gilles Charrière. Okay. Uh, you are a candidate for the city council of Valparaiso running on the Democratic ticket. For what district? District 5. District 5. Larry, you want to reintroduce? Well, well yeah. The first question we have, basically. Um, Want me to introduce the yeah, show? Yeah, go, go ahead. Well, I remind people this is ABC at noon, ABC at noon and uh, uh, we are broadcasting live at this particular point in time. But we replay again on Tuesday, tomorrow at five o'clock, and again uh, this coming Sunday at five o'clock, and next Tuesday at five o'clock as, as well. Okay, so you get a chance to hear this uh, time and time again. And also remind people that about a week before the election, or several days, we're going to play all these interviews again. Okay. And we just interviewed Todd Etzler, so if you're just tuning in, you can hear him on our replay. But we now have Gilles Charrier. So the first question is a package. It's an opportunity for you to tell us about yourself, 
just give us a little background. Why are you running for office? And about which issues are you most passionate? So I think we just went through the uh, most difficult part is to say my name, right? That's, that's the hard part of the campaign. So thank you for, for doing this. Uh, my name is Gilles Charrier again. And I usually like to start by saying I was born and raised in Valparaiso, but it, it rarely works. People do not believe it. So uh, actually, I have been in, a, in, in the city, uh, in the area for 19 years. You have. Uh, I have. Uh, I just decided to, to keep the accent. Uh, I was born in Dijon, France, which you would probably say Dijon as the mustard. And um, at a young age, uh, just uh, almost 16, I joined the French Navy, uh, where I had did several jobs, but uh, mostly I was a electrician on airplanes. Uh, I, after that, uh, was managing a grocery store for a short time. Then I went back to school, became a computer programmer. And uh, around the age of uh, 26, I, I found my, my true love, which was flying airplanes. So I came to the US, which uh, had better schools, uh, more opportunities for it. That's about 31 years ago. And I, I, I became a pilot, so I have been a pilot uh, with uh, several companies, but the last 23 years with United Airlines. I'm now a captain on the Boeing 767 and 757, flying domestically and internationally as well. So you fly across the ocean? I, I do, yeah, I do that regularly. Okay. Uh, in a few days, actually, I'll be on my way to Edinburgh. Um, but uh, so that's, uh, yeah, it's... it's uh, uh, I feel uh, very grateful that I had the chance to, to do what I was dreaming of doing. I have uh, two uh, wonderful children, uh, Danielle and Alexander, who are 23 and 22 years old, who uh, came to Valparaiso when they were about, uh, I think, three and four years old, if I do the math. And so for them, you know, Valparaiso is the only place that they remember. That's their home. <laughs> and obviously, it is also my home. And so... Maybe that links to you know the next part of the question, which is why uh, I decided uh, this year to run for city council, and it is uh, because I, I I do love this place, which is my home where my my children uh, grew up. I was coaching soccer uh, when they were six seven years old for three years at the you know parks department in Valparaiso. Um, you know, one thing that's interesting is the question of why I decided to run for city council kind of has evolved uh, in the past few months because uh, as I have been knocking on doors and, and uh, you know, going to a residence, so I've done a lot of that with a candidate, uh, Liz Werfel, uh, running for at-large. And one thing we've done a lot is listen, listen to people. And, and, and as, as people have, you know, trusted us with their their fears, their hopes, you know, their concern. Uh, it's become more clear to me why I'm running. You know, I, I think the role of a city council person is to represent the people. And this is very important, I think, uh, because there is a lot of pressure from, you know, uh, developers and different entities who have interest to take over. It's, it's easy for them to take over, you know, uh, our city government or... Uh, and not giving enough. I mean, our city is doing a great job, you know, encouraging civic engagement. But, but I think sometimes uh, 
we forget that uh, we are sitting in the city council to represent the people f f first and foremost. So, so that's that's my reason for okay. for running to make sure. Uh, and uh, what was the last part of your question? The issues about which you are passionate. So I think I answered part of that, you know, to represent the, the interests of the people of Valparaiso. Also, uh, I don't know if it's something that I'm passionate about or that I feel that needs to be addressed it is sustainability. Um, we, I think everybody pretty much agrees that we have a major challenge facing us. And you know, young people that I talk to uh, regularly keep reminding me that there's that challenge, that they are very concerned about it, and they are looking at us and say, "What are you going to do about it?" Are you talking about environmental and sustainability? Absolutely, the environmental okay. sustainability. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for bringing okay. that up. Can I uh, deviate from a usual pattern here and say, ask, what else do you hear from the people out there? That you, know, you just mentioned a little bit, but what else do you hear? You, you know, some of the things you hear are, are very simple thing. You know, uh, the roundabouts, right? So this Circles of death, we call yes. them. <laughs> <laughs> I grew up with them, so I'm used to yeah. it. But I understand, you know, I think you have to respect how people feel, no matter, you know, how you feel yourself. And, and um, uh, things that I hear a lot is, you know, the sidewalks that, that in a lot of areas are in, in pretty bad shape. You know, basic uh, infrastructure. Yeah, basic infrastructure. You know, I still, after all my years in Valparaiso, I still end up in, at some intersections where I am. Am I in the lane that turns or the one that goes straight? It, 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 it's not well indicated. It's, it's, it's not painted well. So that's small thing, but people will share. Uh, there are, you know, Big questions about um, well the the increased assessed value of our houses and, and the property taxes that we're paying. Uh, there are uh, people's concerns about how will Valparaiso grow? What, what kind of neighborhoods will we have? Um, so that that's kind of the I think it summarizes what I hear from people. Good. You must have been born in the uh, late 50s, early 60s, 70s? 80s? Early 60s. Early 60s, okay. 61. In, in 1950, the, the, uh, we were dealing with the, the flood of people from World War II, and there was a booming housing market, and the average house size was about 1,000 square feet, and they were built all over the place, and Valpo has some of those houses. Today, the average house size of a new house built is about 2,600 square feet. And I hear from many young people who were born in the late 80s and 90s and the 2000s that they struggle to envision being able to own a house because our market is now all focused on very high-end housing. Do you see a place for the city of Valparaiso in encouraging the, the, the building um, of more affordable personal residences. Absolutely. I, I think uh, we need to make sure that, that we have uh, houses for everybody. And, and uh, you know, one thing that is a concern, and I, I hear that at the doors as well, is uh, let's say um, someone who is a, a new police officer in Valparaiso, they, they, they will be serving us, defending us, but they may not be able to 
to afford a house where they can live with their family. Uh, that would be also a concern, you know, when, when our children uh, grow up, they may not have the option to, to remain in Valparaiso. Uh, they may not find a house that they can, you know, start a house uh, for a newly married uh, couple, maybe with one child. Uh, you know, the, the other uh, concern we've heard from uh, civil residents is uh, when people get older and they want or need to downsize. And now, you know, someone who spent most of their lives or all their life in Valparaiso might find themselves in the situation where they have to move just in retirement just so they can afford to live. So uh, I think, you know, sometimes there's the thinking that by keeping big houses, uh, We'll feel, you know, this, this seems in, in theory like, like it would be a very vibrant city because it's, it's big houses, it's, it's, uh, everything is looking very, uh, you know, wealthy, luxury. But we may be shooting ourselves, you know, in the foot in doing that because, uh, again, we may be the next person who needs to, to downsize and want to stay in Valparaiso or our children. Again. Interestingly, I was in Normandy a couple years ago and I visited the mayor of a small town and he lived in a house of about a thousand square feet. <laughs> the mayor. Yes. Larry. Um, well, follow up on that. What, what can a city do to facilitate the creation of housing that uh, senior people uh, can come back and live in and what the younger people can afford? So, you know, sometimes it's what the city can do or sometimes it's what the city shouldn't do. For example, you know, do we need to encourage and, and give uh, tax breaks to uh, developers that are coming to put more, you know, of the big houses that we, you know, an inventory that we have plenty of already. So, uh, I mean, like right now, obviously, there's, you know, the St. Paul Square. Uh, we, we have the uh, Brooks new development and uh, Hawthorne Hills, the, the north of Hawthorne. And, and all those def development will offer very, very, very few, uh, you know, housing that, that is for, for everybody. Yeah. So one of the things that, that we have been concerned about and the ABC document focuses on is the nature of Valparaiso as a welcoming community. Now, you came to Valparaiso, and you don't sound like you come from Valparaiso. <laughs> so you maybe have, have dealt with this, but you also have white skin, and you also are well-educated and, and probably have a profession that is widely respected. Is there any role for city government in finding a way to make people to, to make the community a more welcoming place for people who obviously stand out as different. Uh, absolutely. I mean, that's one of the, the great duty uh, of a government to make sure that, that we have uh, a fair government, that we are a welcoming city. Uh, so, yeah, you kind of answered part of my question by saying that, yeah, I, I am white and uh, maybe uh, if I had, uh, let's say, a Spanish or an Arabic accent, maybe it would not be the same as a French accent. A French, French is kind of a couple notches up on the, on the pecking <laughs> order, isn't it? So, yeah, I've always thought that I was lucky because of that. But, uh, yeah, I think, you know, uh, for example, is Valparaiso a welcoming uh, city at this time? I don't think it would be fair for me to answer. Uh, I think that's a question that uh, we need to ask, you know, uh, someone who, who, who came and, and, and is in a minority group of, of any type. The answer generally is 
it is not fully welcome. That's also what people have told me. And, and, you know, I'm not trying, I'm not, you know, most of our residents in Valparaiso are wonderful people and, and uh, you know, great hearts, welcoming. So, uh, you know, the blame shouldn't go out to everybody. But as a culture, we, we have, I think, a duty to educate ourselves. And, and the, what, what hurts the most is the questions that we don't ask ourselves, things that we assume. So, for example, if we assume that Valparaiso is a welcoming city, period, we stop thinking. We, 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 st we stop asking questions. We, st we stop uh, having an opportunity to improve. And how might the city step into that challenging task? So, so there are obviously steps that have been taken, right? There's been the, the, uh, the, the human rights ordinance, right. uh, which was a great step, obviously. And, and uh, we, we have the, uh, the um, Human Relations Council. Uh, all those are, 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 are great steps, and we need to work with them. Uh, also, you know, we're talking about uh, housing for all. Well, that's also being welcoming. The, 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 the availability of a place and, and now the other uh, corner of the coin is jobs is we need to, to, to have jobs that, that allow uh, people who come into Valparaiso to, to have good lives you know, decent lives with affordable housing you've already dealt with some of this in some ways but one of the things we're, we've been interested in is that you know, I think we appreciate what the, the CASA's administration has done with the economic development downtown, um, um, particularly downtown, and, and somehow are suggested need to do some things differently about, uh, about economic development. And on your a recent post on your Facebook page, it says, to be an American is to be able to dream a better future in Valparaiso in Valparaiso without increasing the residents' financial burden. We can use new technologies that pay for themselves to create a city that will become a beacon of sustainability and healthful living, et cetera. Uh, what, what, what do you mean by that exactly? And, and as an alternative to the, what's been going on in terms of economic development? Yeah, so um, I'm glad you're linking the two. I mean, there, there are a lot of studies right now that, that shows that, uh, for example, you know, the wind and solar uh, industry uh, in, in the nation has been creating jobs, you know, at, at a rate, let's say, something between 12 and 13 times uh, faster than any other industry. What industry? The, the wind, wind and, and, and solar. So now, now I'm not suggesting we're going to have wind turbines downtown Valparaiso. I mean, right. obviously, this is not... That, that wouldn't play real well, I don't think. <laughs> the beautiful city movement would not tolerate that. But yeah. Yes. But uh, so the, basically, it's, it, it's an idea that uh, if you keep saying we can't, you know, we cannot do this. So we, we have this big challenge, you know, we've got climate change challenge that, that every, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to read on very neutral uh, magazines uh, what they're saying about what's happening with the environment. But you, you, you're reading, a, you know, Fortune magazine, uh, Forbes. So I'm talking about, you know, people that are not necessarily uh, tree huggers, right? Right. And time after time after time, you will see that they say the, the cli climate change crisis is going to cost the economy a lot more than it's going to cost to try to, to mitigate it. To, to go. So in Valparaiso, uh, you know, there, there are a lot of things we can do if we start. And, and that's one of... of 
something that, that I feel very strongly about. You, you need to start with an intentionality. Okay. So well, one thing I would like to do in the city council is to create a sustainability advice, advisory board and, and have people that will sit there that will get in all the information and come up with ideas. And when we discuss, you know, at the plan commission or city council meeting, when you discuss a new project, there should be one voice at all time that says, how about the environment? What, what, what is the environmental impact? We don't have that right now. We, I, I rarely, when, I, when I'm sitting in meetings, I rarely hear concerns, you know, maybe quality of water, but that's about as far as it goes. So you're, in effect, combining economic development with environmental uh, conservatism, sustainability. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, my, my vision is that, you know, as we've had the Industrial Revolution, which, which is a needed step, and it, it created a, a lot of uh, safety and comfort for human beings. So I, I will, you know, never fault the Industrial Revolution. Now it's time, I believe, for a new phase. We have new technology available. And, you know, I, 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 I can uh, name, you know, a few uh, VU professors who are uh, extremely knowledgeable uh, in the subject that will tell you the technology is here. So now it's a matter of how do we put our, you know, our heads together and make that technology start doing something, you know. It, in in uh, 1870, 1900, people in this country were big dreamers with a vision. And they did things that we probably, at the time, people would not have thought, you know, if you look at all the highways everywhere, gas stations every corner, electric wires bringing electricity and lights to your house. I mean, it was unthinkable 150 years ago. Do you see yourself as a visionary in this area? Well, you know, I hope to be pragmatic in some ways, you know, because a vision that's just a dream is, is not, you know, very helpful. So, uh, and... You know, I'm not the only one, you know, uh, I can bring you here a lot, a lot of the youth in Valparaiso that is very educated on the subject, who cares deeply, and which gives me great hope that, that you know, I'm, I'm very optimistic, actually, that we will address the, the issue. What I want is Valparaiso to be ahead of the curve. I want us to be a leader because there's also some what I like to call economical karma, into being the early one who have a lot of solar panels, electric car chargers, because, I mean, we've seen it, right? In the last 18 months, they've sold, like, what, half a million full electric cars. And, I mean, it's coming. And, and this year, uh, next year, I mean, 2020, uh, Ford, Hyundai, I mean, most of the car makers are coming up with new models. of It's coming. And, and it's an opportunity, you know, because now we're displacing burning fuel for transportation to using electricity. Now, a gallon of fuel, we can never turn that into anything else than a gallon of fuel burning into the atmosphere. But electricity, we can create that through wind or solar. And now we have a great chance to displace that pollution that was done by you know, fuel, or gas, as we say, into uh, renewable electricity. So, right. so we can take a big dent out of what we're breathing every day and, and how it affects you know, the environment. So, so one of the things that's obvious to me, it seems to me that in the past that the city council has been a quite passive institution. That's pretty much, uh, I, I'd never seen anything really novel and exciting coming out of this. So you're suggesting a completely different role for the city council than has been played in the past. Is that correct? Absolutely. So obviously, you know, I won't be able to uh, bring my own projects and vote for them myself and get them passed. So, but to, I hope to be that voice that, that will be advocating and, and hopefully 
And I think I'm all, I can see that maybe we already have, uh, you know, I'm not the only person speaking like this, but we're starting to affect a change by changing the conversation and, and to start saying like, we don't have to be passive. If most of the people I talk to right now are telling me they're, they're very anxious and depressed because of climate change. They're, they're nervous because of, of what's coming out, you know, of the scientific community. And I'm saying like, well, yeah, I mean, it's it's normal to feel anxious, but let's do something about it. So I, I want to be that, that that voice, you know, that 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 relentless voice. It might not be pleasant, but I think this is a very needed uh, voice that, that needs to be there in the city council. Sounds like city council meetings would be a little bit different than they've been in the past. <laughs> the city council, for the most part, has been responsive to the um, initiatives of developers who have brought to them a plan and then the city council had to stamp it. And you're really kind of reversing that. You're saying the city council maybe needs to initiate and then find some partners to make these things happen. Does, uh, that, does that make sense? It, it does, and I agree with that. And also I think it can work both ways. It can. So, so I think, you know, if you create the, the, the proper environment for that, you know, proper, we will have uh, hopefully entrepreneurs that will show up, uh, let's say, with uh, solar panel installation, you know, or, or, or a microgrid, you know. I mean, the cost of uh, storage, electricity storage, batteries, is going down. I mean, rapidly. It's, it's like a free fall. So, so very soon, things that seem not doable will cost a lot less than, you know, uh, generating with, 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 well, coal obviously is the most expensive, but, uh, you know, natural gas or anything else. It's, it's kind of ironic that a, a guy who flies, uh, I don't know, what, is a, what does a big airplane <laughs> weigh these days <laughs> across the ocean, has to burn an awful lot of fossil fuel <laughs> advocating for these these uh, initiatives. I just find that to be ironic. I'm not throwing a stone at you because I, I appreciate not having to paddle across the ocean. Yeah, no, thank you. And, and, and uh, I do have this conversation in the cockpit while we're burning that fuel. But, <laughs> you know, obviously, uh, actually, you know, that's that's the point that needs to be made. There's no finger pointing. This is useless to, you know, I mean, I've been, uh, I still have a motorcycle that burns fuel that I like to ride on occasions. Uh, there's no point uh, blaming, you know, people driving their cars to work. It's just that as a system and that the role of government to slowly come up with ideas and solutions that, that, that will allow people to, to, to be more uh, responsible. We all want that, I think, to be more clean and responsible. Um, this changes the subject here completely, just about, or, or maybe not, I don't know. A lot of time and energy was invested in the Belpo Next document and the altogether Belpo effort, okay? Uh, both of these pro programs produce a long list of things that citizens of Valparaiso wanted. Where do you see these proposals fitting into plans for the city in the future? Because they seem to have been sort of slowed down a little bit. Where do you see these plans? Well, so obviously you, you can see that I'm very interested in, in, you know, both those plans, in both those plans, the, the people who studied or the residents in the case of the Valpo Next vision plan, uh, men, they stated very clearly they want environmental sustainability as be, be part of it. So, so they want to see our city to be a clean city and, and, and a green city. So there's that uh, of course, now we're talking also about, uh, you know, housing for all. So, so this links to other things we've t talked about. So, yeah, of course, uh, I think we need to revisit those documents. There was a lot of very good work that was done by a lot of people. 
uh, it would be a great shame if we don't use that. Yeah. I can see a lot of things you've been talking about are, are things that are already included in that particular document. Absolutely. The Valpo Next um, independent organization that has been spawned from that document seems to be struggling somewhat. Would it be appropriate for the city to, to reinvest in it? We're talking about spending money. Yeah. So, you know, I've not thought about it. I've, I've not been asked that question before. Uh, I'm sure uh, there's value in it, or maybe it could be a different format, but using some of the same. You know, that's one thing I discover uh, all the time in Valparaiso. We have so much civic engagement. I mean, I, mean, I, I, I talk to a lot of people who I've never seen before, but who seem to know a whole lot about what it's happening in Valparaiso. So, so we have that going on for us. And it's a wonderful thing. And, and uh, uh, so, yeah, you, the, the, the short answer is maybe or maybe a different format. But, yeah, we need to get the work done from the ground up. It, 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 that's how the government should function. Civic engagement sometimes is facilitated by having a budget. That sure. was my comment. Okay. We have about two minutes left. Uh, and Larry, unless you have another specific question, no, I, I, well, I have a whole bunch, but, we, but, I, but you know. let's let's give Gilles Charrier. You said so well, Paul. Oh Thank you. <laughs> I give you your French certificate. Thank you. You have a, about a minute and a half to sim simply wrap up your thoughts uh, to to our listeners. Okay. Well, uh, you know, I was hoping you would give me a chance to say, please vote for me, and. Uh, uh, you know, I, I think and, and I hope that there is value in, in any uh, group, in any, mostly in a, in a government, for uh, a vision that is a little bit different from everybody else's vision. So in the city council, for sure, because of the candidates who are running right now, we will have expertise. We will have a lot of uh, people who've been involved with different commissions in the government of Valparaiso. So we will have that. But I think there's a need uh, for someone who, who can think out of the box just because uh, he's not been molded into you know the, the Valparaiso microculture, which, which is a normal thing to happen. And, and maybe to force some conversation that would not be there otherwise. So uh, I hope people will see the value in that. And uh, I thank you so much for well, we've been li listening uh, today to issues in the city, and uh, one of my people you have been listening at ABC at noon, uh, and this replays uh, on Tuesday at 5, Sunday again at 5, next Tuesday at 5 as well. So thank you very much for listening, Paul. Thank you, Larry. Thank you, Jao. Yeah, no, thank you very much for having me on your program. Okay, enjoyed it.